All right, well, I hope you're ready and you have your shouting voice on this morning because I feel like preaching. Uh, I got a word for you this morning. Uh, I feel, feel like it's from the Lord. Um, and I actually have a pre-word. You don't get that very often, a, kind of an opener word for you this morning. So we've been talking a lot about uh, family and about being sons and daughters of God. And it, it just seems like every time I open my Bible, the, the next thing I read is just the Lord just is just shouting that over and over again. And he's revealing more and more of that revelation of what that means to be a son and daughter of God. So I actually had a couple different ones I wanted to share with you, but I'm only going to share one this morning. Uh, a verse that I read, just talking once again, just revealing who we are in Christ. So let me read that to you real quick this morning before we jump into the, the main text. It's in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. It says this, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, the true God is the creator of all things. He is the owner and the Lord of the heavenly realm and the earthly realm, and he doesn't live in man-made temples. He supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him, for he has all things and everything he needs. For one man, Adam, he, or from one man, Adam, he made every man and woman and every race of humanity, and he spread us over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of the people and the nations, determining their appointed times in history. Now here's the verse where it gets good. He has done this so that every person would long for God and feel their way to him and find him. And I love this next verse, how this translation says this next verse. For he is the God who is easy to discover. That God hides himself, yes, he speaks in mysteries and he speaks in proph prophecies, but it says that he hides himself, but he is easy to discover. He's the worst player at hide and seek there is. He makes himself easy to discover for those who begin their search after him. And just a little plug here, if you have not began your search after God, if you have not met God, met God, I want to tell you, he is easy to find. All you have to do is begin the search. Amen? All right, this next verse, here's where it gets fun. It is through him that we live and function and have our identity. For, for some of you, you might recognize it more. It says it is through him that we live and move and have our being. Just as your own poets have declared or said, our lineage comes from him. That we live and move and have our identity in him, but then our lineage comes from him. Here's what's cool about this verse. That word lineage is the word genos. It's where we get our word for genes. Not like genes, but like our genes that we get from our family, from our parents. That our DNA comes from him. It says and in the Aramaic, it's translated like this. Our nature comes from him. The Greek says we are his offspring or his children. Or it says that we are taken from his genes. It means that we are his kindred and his family. Again, the Bible over and over and over and over again, through all of the writers of the Gospels, declare over and over again that we are literally the sons and daughters of God. That our genes, our DNA are his DNA, that that genos, that that lineage comes from the Father. That is who we are. Amen. And I think the Lord's going to continue bringing the scriptures until we totally come into that revelation and begin walking in our identity as sons and daughters of God. Amen. I know he has to keep hammering me with it. 
I know for, for me personally, I have to keep reading scriptures like that over and over again to get the revelation deep down inside of, us, inside of me that I am a son of God. That my DNA matches his DNA. Amen? That's who we are. Amen? Awesome. All right, let's jump into this, the, the, the text. I want to continue talking to you today about our, our authority as sons and daughters of God. I talked about that last week, began talking about it last week. If you didn't hear that, here's another little plug. We now have a podcast that you can get on iTunes. We've had it for a while, but I keep forgetting to tell everybody about it. So we have a podcast on iTunes. If you don't know how to do that, just see somebody that knows how to do that, and they'll show you. <laughs> if you get on iTunes and search Harmony Christian Church, you'll see our, our church logo pop up, and you can click on that, and every week's message is on there. Gail does an awesome job getting it on there every week, usually by Wednesday. So go on there, check it out. Uh, listen to last week's message if you weren't there uh, to hear it, but we're, we're going to talk a little bit more this morning about our authority as sons and daughters of God. What does it look like to have authority as a son and daughter of God? Let's go ahead and read uh, Acts chapter 19. We're going to start in verse 11. Acts 19, verse 11. It'll be on the screen there. This again, I'm going to be kind of going back and forth between the Passion Translation and the New King James. So if you don't have either one of those, it's on the overhead for you. So we're starting in verse 11. It says, God kept releasing a flow of extraordinary miracles through the hands of Paul. Because of this, Paul took, or people took Paul's handkerchiefs and articles of clothing, even pieces of cloth that had touched his skin, laying them on the bodies of the sick and the diseases and the demons left them and they were healed. Does that sound like anybody else you know? Any other stories in the Bible that you know? When the woman with the issue of blood reached out and touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed, Paul is walking in that anointing, in that authority, the same authority that Jesus had when he healed the woman with the issue of blood, that just the touch of one of a piece of cloth that has been on the anointing was able to heal the sick. And cast out demons. Then it goes on and says, Now there was seven itinerant Jewish exorcists, sons of Sceva, the high priest, who took it upon themselves to use the name and the authority of Jesus over those who were demonized. They would say, We cast you out in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. I don't know about you, but just hearing that tells me that's probably not going to work. That's kind of like saying, like, Yeah, I, I heard from my cousin's girlfriend's brother that, you know, you said that it's kind of one of those deals that, I, that the, in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And it says that they were, they were trying to cast, uh, cast demons out by, by saying those things, by using the name of Jesus that Paul preaches. And it says this, one day when they said those words, the demon and the man replied, wouldn't that be freaky, right? I know Jesus and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? I recognize Jesus, or I know Jesus, I know about Jesus, and I recognize Paul, but who do you think you are? Then the demonized man jumped on them, threw them to the ground, beating them mercilessly, and overpowered the seven exorcists until they all ran out of the house naked and badly bruised. Talk about a bad day on the job, right? You get beat up, seven guys, seven brothers. They were all really weak, or that demon was really strong in the guy. But they got all seven of them got beat up mercilessly, it says, to where they ran out of the house naked and badly bruised and beaten up. So why didn't it work for them? Paul is not even in the room. People are just taking handkerchiefs off of Paul, 
taken pieces of clothing from Paul, hopefully after he had worn it and put on something. They're taking pieces of cloth from Paul and laying them on the demon-possessed people, and the demons are leaving. These guys come along and use the same name in the name of Jesus that Paul preached, I cast you out in the name of Jesus, and it doesn't work. What's the difference between the two? Why is it working for Paul, but it's not working for these seven sons? Because your authority is not a formula. It's not some magical phrase. Your authority comes from relationship. Your authority comes from not just knowing about the one, not just knowing about Jesus, but actually having relationship with Jesus. And that's why these seven sons of Sceva weren't able to cast out a demon because the demon didn't have to listen to them because the, demon, or the seven brothers had no authority over the demons. They had no authority to do that. And that's why it says, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. Why does he know Paul? Because Paul is in relationship with Jesus. Because Paul is in relationship with Jesus. Therefore, Paul walks in the same authority that Jesus walks in. So, authority is not a formula. Authority is not just something that you can just make up and do or follow certain steps. Authority only comes through relationship. Period. That's it. Amen? Authority only comes through relationship. When, when I was a kid, dad would come into my room every morning, or every, not every morning, every evening, and uh, tuck me in bed, and he would always pray, right? He would always pray with me uh, before I went to sleep. And I remember as a kid always hearing dad say at the end of the prayer, in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name, amen. He'd always end that prayer that way. So as a kid, I picked up on that, and I thought, man, there must be something in that, right? So I, I, I distinctly remember thinking, man, i got to start praying in Jesus' name. And so I, I did as a kid. I started praying in Jesus' name, and I thought, man, I, I really got it now. I'm like a real Christian now. I'm saying in Jesus' name, right? <clears throat> but we treat that, that, last, that prepositional phrase like it's some kind of magical, like, formula, right? That we, we pray, pray, we pray, and then we say, in Jesus' name, like it seals the deal, like it's our abracadabra, it's going to happen now, right? We have to say, in Jesus' name, for it to work, right? It's a nice ending to every prayer. Does anybody else say, in Jesus' name, at the end of every prayer? Everybody does, right? What does it actually look like? It, it's not, it's like, again, it's not like the, it's not like we say all these things, and that just sends it on to God, and if we don't say, in Jesus' name, then it doesn't work, right? So what does, where does, do, do we get the idea, where do we get the phrase, in Jesus' name? Why do we say that? Let me, let me show you. In John chapter 16, there's two, actually two verses that we get this idea of in Jesus' name from. So it says, it says this in John chapter 16. John chapter 16, is that right? John verse 22 is where we're going to start. So it says this. So will you also pass through, so will you, sorry, let me say that, start over. So will you also pass through a time of intense sorrow when I am taken from you. So Jesus is talking to his disciples right now, and he's talking to them about the cross and about how he's going to have to leave for a while. And so it says that you will pass through intense sorrow when I am taken from you, but you will see me again, it says, and then your hearts will burst with joy with no one being able to take it from you. For here is eternal, the eternal truth. When, the time, when that time comes, you won't need to ask me for anything. But instead, you will go directly to the Father and ask him for anything you desire, and he will give it to you because 
your, uh, because of your relationship with me. Did you catch that? So, so he was saying that before, before now, you had to go through me to get to the Father, but a time's coming when you will be able to go to the Father yourself and ask him anything that you wish and it will be done for you because of your relationship with Jesus. Until now, you've not been bold enough to ask the Father for a single thing in my name. But now you can ask and keep on asking, and you can be sure that you'll receive what you ask for, and that your joy will have no limits. So it says that in my name, in relationship with Jesus, we can now approach the Father ourselves and ask him anything in the name of Jesus. So the word in the name of Jesus, that phrase in the name of Jesus is not just a, a, a sweet prepositional phrase to cast our prayers off at the end of every prayer. The word in Jesus' name is saying that in our relationship with Jesus, we have the authority then to ask the Father whatever we want. That when we are in Jesus, then we can approach the Father boldly and ask whatever we want. And then it says this amazing thing, and it will be given to you. Whatever you ask, when you ask in relationship with Jesus, it'll be given to you. So in Jesus' name. Then there's this verse, and this is where it gets real good. Ready? John chapter 14. John chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to go all the way through to 23. John 14. Has everybody got their amens ready? Because it's going to get good. You ready? Ready to buckle in? Here we go says this in John chapter 14. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version, so i got to switch Bibles here. Pardon me. John chapter 14, verse 1. starts out like this. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. This is Jesus talking. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, that's an interesting statement there, because when we hear that statement, I go to prepare a place for you, our immediate thought is that Jesus is, going to, is talking about going to heaven to prepare a place for you. But it just said in the previous verses that my father already has many mansions. So the, the place in heaven is already prepared for us. So when Jesus is saying, I go to prepare a place for you, he's not talking about going to heaven. He's talking about going to the cross. That he's going to the cross to prepare a place for you so that you can access the Father, so that you can go to the Father in heaven. He goes to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So again, it, it just shows again that the place he's going to the cross because the place of preparation for us to be able to go where he goes was the cross, was the mercy seat, right? So he's preparing a place so that where he goes, we may also go. And where I, where I go, you know, and you know the way, or, and the way you also know. So Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see, we get it, we get it mixed up, I think, that we think that, the house we're going to, the place we're going to in heaven, the exciting thing about heaven is we're going to our mansion in the sky. But the real exciting thing is that we're going to the Father, right? 
that we're going to sit next to the place where Jesus is. Where is Jesus sit, seated? We learned that last week. He's at the right hand of the Father. That, that we may go to the place where he is going, that we may be where he is at, which is at the right hand of the Father. The exciting thing about heaven is not the mansion. The exciting thing about heaven is that we get to be with the Father. Amen? And the way to heaven, the place that he is preparing, the way to heaven is what? Through Jesus on the cross. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes through the Father except through me. All right. If you had known me, this is verse 7, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. How have they seen him? Philip, Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me? Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Pay attention to these verses. They're going to be real important. has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? In the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So what's Jesus saying here? He's saying that, Thomas, you have seen the Father because you have seen me, right? How, has, how, has, how is that possible? How have they seen the Father just by looking at Jesus? Because the Father is in Jesus. So I and the Father are one. The Father is in Jesus, and Jesus is in the Father. Therefore, if you have seen Jesus, you are looking directly at the Father because they're one, right? They're in each other. And, that, and then I love this too, that the authority that Jesus speaks with is not his authority. You would think the Son of God would have sufficient authority just within himself. But he says, the authority that I work with, the, the authority that these miracles come from, the authority that I speak with is not my own authority. It's the authority of the Father in me. So Jesus is saying, you see me, when you, you see the Father when you see me, and the authority that I use is the Father's authority because he is in me. All right? Everybody understand that? All right. Then it goes on and says this, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, there's that, that phrase, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in, in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, he says it again, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So, so what's Jesus saying here? That he's, he's saying the works that he did, the miracles that Jesus did, it says we will then be able to do and even greater works because he goes to the Father. Then he says again, anything you ask in my name will be given to you. Anything you ask in my name will be given to you, will be done for you. But how is that possible? How is it possible that that we will be, do greater works than Jesus? And how is it possible that we will receive anything in his name? All right, stick with me. I know this is a lot here. We're about to get into it. Verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, 
for he dwells with you and will be where? In you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. It says a little while longer and the world will see me no more. Right? Jesus is about to die, go to the cross, be resurrected and go to heaven. A little while longer, the world won't see me anymore. That's what it says. It won't see him anymore. But you will see me because I live. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in the Father. Here it is. I am in the Father. What did, what did this start off with? That Jesus is saying, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. But now he's saying this. I am in the Father. Where are we? What verse are we on? Thank you. Verse 20. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Now, come on. That deserves a little more than that. That's the best news I'm going to share with you this morning. It doesn't get better than this, so you better get your shout on now. Because listen, he's saying, again, previous verses, he's saying, the people see the Father, you see the Father when you see me, and I do all, or I have the authority of the Father because he's in me. Then he turns around and says, but you are going to do greater works than I did. Anything you ask in my name, I will give it to you. Why? Because not only am I in the Father and the Father me, but I am in the Father, and I am in you, and you are in me. That just as the Father and the Son are one, we and Jesus and the Father are one. Which means, which means this, when people look at you, why is it possible for Jesus to go to heaven and not be seen? How is it possible for Jesus to go to heaven and the entire world still be able to experience Jesus? And see Jesus. Because when they see you, they see Jesus. That just as when they looked at Jesus, they saw the Father. When they look at us, they see Jesus. Because Jesus is in us. And therefore, if he's in us, when they look at us, they see us. But not only that, we walk in the same authority that Jesus walks in. Because he is in us and we are in him. That phrase, in Jesus' name, is not just a prepositional attack on the end of a sentence to tell everybody we're done and they can, they, somebody else's turn to pray. That little phrase at the end of the sentence saying, in Jesus' name, means that Jesus is in us and we are in him. And because of that, they see Jesus when they look at us. And we have the authority that Jesus carries inside of him because he is in us. Amen? Isn't that awesome? That Jesus is in us and we are in him. They see Jesus when they look at us because he is in us. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Amen? Amen. Let, me, let me go on to the next verse here. This says, it says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Then it says this, Judas, not Iscariot, not the one that betrayed him, the other Judas, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And it says, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father, who will, or, and my father will love him. And here's, here's, here's another amazing scripture that we miss a lot. And it says, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And we will come to him 
and make our home in him. How many of you have you heard that when you ask uh, or when you pray for salvation, you ask Jesus to come into your heart, right? So we talk about Jesus being inside of us, but this verse goes a step further. Not only is Jesus inside of us, but the Father is inside of us. The Father, it says, says, Jesus answered and said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will come and love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That inside of you right now, if you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you are living for God, you have both the Father and the Son living inside of you, which means you walk with the authority of the Creator of the heavens and the earth inside of you. That you have the authority inside of you right now. The same authority that the Father has. Amen? Amen. That you have the same authority that the Father has. Was praying it. That should completely revolutionize the way that we pray when we realize that. We're not praying from our own authority. We're not praying as sinners trying to convince God to do something on our behalf. That we are praying in Jesus' name. We're praying with the authority of the Father inside of us. That we are praying with the authority of the Son inside of us. That should revolutionize the way we pray for things. That should revolutionize the way that we're, we're praying. And maybe, I don't know, maybe that's why we're not seeing as many answers as we, as we would like is because we're not praying from that place of authority. We're praying from that place of, of, wanting, of sinners trying to convince God to do something on our behalf. But how many of you know the Bible makes it very clear, whatever we ask, when we are asking in his name, in his authority, that we will receive it because we're asking with the authority of the Father. It should revolutionize how we pray. Amen? Amen.